It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Hello, Bengals fans. It is midweek. We are getting back into free agency as promised today. We're splitting things up as well. So we're going to start the episode today with Joe getting into the future of and really the recent history of the Bengals at the edge position as we switch our offseason outlook to the defensive side of the ball. And then we resume the free agency series. We've covered all of the playoff teams. We've covered some of the teams that didn't make the playoffs, and we're going to wrap up the Eastern Division today. Joe will take the AFC East, and then I'll get into the NFC East, and that's two teams from the AFC East, of course, since Buffalo and New England made the playoffs, and three teams from the NFC East. But without further ado, let's get into it. Here's Joe for those first two segments, starting with a look at the Bengals' edge position. Continuing our position-by-position look at the Bengals' roster and setting the table for where it's at heading into free agency brings us to the defensive side of the ball, starting off with the edge position on the Bengals' defense. And what does the edge mean, right? It's kind of a newer term in the last few years. It's not defensive end anymore because so many multiple defensive looks, 3-4 defenses, 4-3 defenses have merged into one defense at this point where you're in your nickel base package all the time, and your edge defender maybe stands up for the Pittsburgh Steelers but puts his hand down for the Cincinnati Bengals, it's really the same responsibility. So for the edge for the Bengals, first we should start with what did the Bengals do with that position last year? They went to a more multiple look, a more 3-4 defense, 5-2 if you will, because it'd be five defensive linemen at the line of scrimmage, even if two of them had their hands up. Guys like Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson, Andrew Brown. They signed Kerry Wynn from the Giants, even though we didn't get to see him too much. The Bengals' edge position is one of the strengths of their team if they can get Carl Lawson to be healthy and productive the way he's flashed through three seasons now. I think the way you look at it and you start at the top, Carlos Dunlap, still a very, very good player, coming off maybe his best year as a pro a leader, a good person in the community, good um, captain for the defense. Carlos Dunlap is one of the anchors on this team and still gives you 800 snaps in solid production versus the run, uh, all the tip balls, and will get you 50 pressures and eight sacks on an average year. 
Carlos Dunlap's still a very good player. Spelling him a little bit is Sam Hubbard and Carl Lawson. And you try to get all three on the field at once. I think that's where the Bengals really have struggled at times, whether that's um, allowing offenses to dictate to them. When the Bengals are in their nickel package, that's when they bring in Carl Lawson on the right end. They'll kick in Sam Hubbard to defensive tackle next to Geno Atkins. And that's their four best rushers. And they can allow those guys to attack and go. The problem is the offense hasn't put up a lot of points. It hasn't allowed the Bengals to get into advantageous situations where they can pin their ears back and rush the passer and get that NASCAR defensive line out there. And I think part of the limitation is Sam Hubbard isn't a great edge guy. He isn't a great interior defender. So what do you do if he's kind of a mix and a tweener between the both? They have found a way to maximize him. I think he's had a really good first two years of his career, but I think it's the combination with Carl Lawson is when they don't like him as much in their base defense, but they really like him as an edge rusher in their nickel package. How do you balance the two of those? How do you find enough snaps and rotation pieces for each of those guys to feel full at the end of the day? I think a lot of it goes based on game script and how the game is playing out. So I I still think edge could be an underrated position of need for the Bengals, and mostly because I think they could still find a guy that kicks inside and rushes next to Geno Atkins, maybe a little bit better than Hubbard does. Hubbard's a fine player, and I think he's turning into a fan favorite. Uh, I just think that they could use a 1A guy next to Carlos Dunlap. As Dunlap gets on the other side of 30 now, What's that position going to look like in two years? Are they going to keep Carl Lawson? Are they happy with him being a sub-package player and kind of forcing Sam Hubbard to play everything while being, jack he's the jack-of-all-trades, master of none, if you will, Uh, whereas I think they still need that guy if we're looking a couple years into the future. So an underrated need for them. I wonder if Kerry Wynn will be brought back. He was originally brought in with Lou Anarumo with the familiarity with the Giants. And Kerry Wynn was supposed to be a guy that could kick inside and help Sam Hubbard in that position. That's what he did in New York and also helped on special teams. I wonder if Hubbard and Wynn could have enough room for both of them to play that role in 2020. The other guy is Andrew Brown, who I thought was a defensive tackle coming out of college. He played in a 3-4 front at Virginia and was more of a 5-tech. I feel like once the Bengals started to have injuries at end, Brown had to play more end than I even think they would like to, and he looked like a much different player than he was in preseason when he really was dominating inside. Against lesser competition, sure, but I still think there's some some upside for Andrew Brown. I just hope it's not at defensive end anymore, and the Bengals can push him back on the inside and figure out uh, his best position. So at, overall, I think this is a, like a B-plus position on their entire team and on their roster, and one they're pretty happy with. But don't be surprised if they add somebody in the draft before the third or fourth round. All right, in just a minute here, we're going to get back to free agency as promised at the top of the show. So stick around. We'll be there in a minute. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, 
no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe, we've talked about it before, you're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break. Plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. Continuing our look at free agents around the league, doing a team-by-team thing. At this point, we have looked at all the playoff teams from the AFC and NFC. We've also looked at the NFC North and the AFC North. Two more teams we have to clear out for the division in the AFC East since the Bills and Patriots both made the playoffs and we've discussed them already. That leaves the Jets and the Dolphins from the AFC East. And that's where I'm going to start today and look at those two as we continue this series and we should be done probably in a maybe at the end of this week. Maybe it'll go into early next week and that'll kick us into the free agent period at, right after the combine. So combine, then free agency. Plus you get a lot of free agency news from the combine because agents are there and sometimes even the players are there and tampering starts to happen at that point. So it's a good lead into that. We'll have news at least through, I think at this point, through all of March because free agency the first two weeks there, maybe even into the third week of free agency, we'll have enough to talk about. And then that'll get us into the finally into April and into close to the, the, I think we're all trying to get to the draft, right? At this point, we don't want to hear about it, but it'll get us close to it. And then maybe we can forget the noise for a little bit. So the Dolphins first up don't have a lot of free agents. They traded a lot of players away. They really have started to rebuild and go for a younger core on their roster. But some of the guys that are free agents, um, defensive interior, John Jenkins, who's going to be 31 years old. I don't think he's going to be on our radar, but he played a lot for them last year, 500 snaps, and was decent based on PFF. PFF was a 71. Um, backup tight end Clive Wolford, he's 28 years old. He's bounced around a lot. He's someone that a lot of people liked out of Miami, if you remember, a few years ago, and he just hasn't latched on and done, you know, I think what people expected over the last few years. The most snaps he's had is 130 in a season, but I do think the Bengals could be in a situation looking for a guy like this as the third tight end. And that's if it's not Seathan Carter. I think they'd like to go four deep with Carter being so good on special teams. Maybe they see that they probably carried too many tight ends last year and only go with three. But I could see someone like uh, Clive Wolford um, being a target. One of the older guys that I think 
will probably survive the first two waves of free agency is Aqib Tlaib. He's 34 already. This surprised me when I looked at it at corner. And the Bengals may need a corner, but if he's still out there, maybe they get interested because that's pretty old for a cornerback. I don't think they get into it unless... I don't know. I mean, I, I, what old was Terrence Newman when they signed him? He had to be pretty old. Uh, but that was a Mike Zimmer connection. Plus, Newman came out of the draft at 25 years old. So, he you know, he probably wasn't as old as um, his age or the mileage was, wasn't was on him as much as um, suggested there. So, uh, I do think there's some, some back-end guys. One guy I'd be interested in is Evan Bohm. He's been a guard center. I think he was out of Missouri uh, five years ago. He's 26 years old. He played nearly 600 snaps this year. He was with the Colts, I want to say, before. Played 400 snaps in 2018, 600 snaps in 2017. He's never been great, but he's been at least serviceable to solid. Uh, He's probably in the range of what they have at guard. I'm talking about the Bengals. But he has interior experience on, on the center and guard position. He's on my my uh, shadow team. So I'd be interested in Evan Bohm. I wonder if... The Bengals are just bringing in a guy for competition, not really to start. I mean, maybe he can push Michael Jordan and ends up starting at left guard. That's a good case scenario. Um, I think the last year he made $2 million, so if that's about the range he's going in, I could see that again being an option uh, for the Bengals. Evan Bohm, someone that, you know, mark him down for me as maybe the only target out of this whole Dolphins list that I'd be interested in, especially for a depth guy to come in and compete if the Bengals aren't going to spend a lot of money at that position. Moving on to the Jets, they have an interesting situation with Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, for me, was one of my draft guys. And I knew he'd go day three. He ended up going undrafted, I believe, out of Temple. Anderson was a weird case in college where he had production, then didn't play a full year, and then played again. Uh, I think he got moved between wide receiver and corner, back to wide receiver. He was really good on tape. I remember calling him the day three Josh Doxson, and he ended up being so much better than Josh Doxson was, right? And Doxson was the guy that I wanted in that draft. I think the Bengals were interested in Doxson also. But Anderson now is shy of 27 years old, so he's still 26. He'll be 27 when the season starts. And is coming off of, again, a solid year, but not great. And you kind of wonder if the Jets ever had a quarterback, would Robbie Anderson be seen as a high-end number two guy? I think he would. I wonder what his um, his offers out there are going to look like. I'm not saying the Bengals are going to be interested, but because I keep thinking A.J. Green's here, you don't go get a receiver. But if A.J. Green isn't, and I think we have to at least dream up that scenario, what's the adjacent move, right? What, what do you do afterwards? Do you go sign a Robbie Anderson? I don't think they would just go with Ross, Tate, and Boyd at that point, right? Or, and then dip into the draft. Uh, so um, not that I am, am saying Robert Anderson is our guy, but, you know, in that scenario, I'd be interested in, in Anderson. After that is Brian Poole, the nickel corner, who the Bengals brought in last year, and they kind of had to make a decision between Webb and Poole. And I don't, I think I already mentioned this. I don't know if that was his decision or their decision, but Poole is 27 years old. He's a nickel corner. He's projected to get a three-year deal at about $7.5 million average. They paid Dark Wesnard 5.5 last year, so this would be a $2 million increase for that same position. If they can't get Denard back on a reasonable deal, and maybe he doesn't want to play nickel, maybe Brian Poole 
is, you know, they dust him off again and say, hey, we'd like you. He played 750 snaps last year, 833 in 2018, and 750 in 2017. He's played a lot and been healthy. He's coming off his best year with the Jets. He really was pretty good for them. Um, 79 grade overall. So, yeah, we would take that, I think, in a a heartbeat um, for the Bengals. And so going on, a couple more positions that they have here. Uh, Calvin Beecham, tackle. He's going to be 31 when the season starts, and that's a little bit older than I think the Bengals would like to go. But Beecham has been a solid player for the Jets. He's played just about averaging about 1,000 snaps over the last three years. And grades are normally in the 67 to 69 range for PFF. He's a decent tackle. I wonder if he'd play guard because he's got he's a shorter guy. He's always been one that was pegged to move inside but he's always survived that tackle. I wonder if the Jets resign him, and if not, does he get pushed inside uh, to guard? And maybe some teams get more interested at that point. I'd be interested in him if he was down to play inside. Next guy here is Edge Jordan Jenkins. He is an outside linebacker type Edge. If you remember him from Georgia, oh, who's the other? Who's the other pass rusher? I can't remember his name. Went to the to the Steelers in the first round. That was his running mate. At Georgia, oh, I can't remember. Jarvis Jones? Ah, I'm, just, I'm just, this is off the top of my head here. Anyways, Jordan Jenkins for the Jets last few years. Um, 570 snaps, 660, 715. He's a Sam-type linebacker that can also do some pass rushing. He used to be athletic. I don't remember watching him recently, though. But he's he'll be 26 when the season starts. I think this is a guy that falls in the Bengals' range. I don't think he's going to get paid a huge amount of money. His grades over the last three years, 67, 52, 64. So adequate starter type guy, uh, which the Bengals could use that linebacker really bad. So I think Jordan Jenkins would be an interesting one uh, to go and try and target somebody on the low end. One of the tackles for the Jets is Brandon Shell, who is 28 years old. Last year, 800 snaps. The year before, 850. The year before that, 700. Grade 64, 63, 65. Again, adequate starting tackle. He's numbers, he's usually ranked in like the 40s to the 50s in, in tackle rankings, which would put him just maybe a little bit above Bobby Hart. Maybe that's a guy you bring in for competition for Bobby Hart, and he's only 28 years old. So uh, I could see that happening. They've got a few guys here just to run off the last few. I don't want to go too long on this segment because uh, we're just trying to go over and get a list. There's only a few guys here from this this segment today that I would put on the list, one being Evan Bohm um, from the Dolphins. But just some depth guys here. Brandon Copeland, who's a linebacker, he'll be 29. Ty Montgomery, if you remember, he was wide receiver running back for the Packers. He'll be 27 years old. He's a free agent. David Fowles, backup quarterback, 29 years old. Um, so I, I think that's about... Um, where we're going to go with, with that position. But for the Jets here, who did I want to write down? Oh, yeah, Jordan Jenkins I wanted to write as an edge guy. And Calvin Beecham I'm at least interested in. And then um, Brian Poole. So there's actually three guys here. And they're all wave. I think Poole is a wave two coming off a really good year. I think Calvin Beecham is probably a wave two. I think Jordan Jenkins is probably wave three unless people really like him. So I'm going to write those guys down. Add them to the list as potential targets, mostly none of them blue chippers. Uh, and, you know, just raise our awareness on some guys coming up in free agency. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, you've heard Joe get you through the AFC East, and now let's get into the NFC East. And I'm going to start with the Giants just because I, I don't think that there are really any targets from this team. This wasn't a good football team in 2019, obviously, led by Daniel Jones and the Dave Gettleman organization with Eli Manning in his final year. So looking at their free agents, I think the best one they've got is, I think, obviously, Leonard Williams. He came over from the Jets, of course, and was the the most recent guy besides uh, Quinnen Williams last year from Alabama, who is this can't-miss interior defensive line prospect, and he hasn't had an excellent career. He's been fine. He was pretty productive in 2018, and then in 2019, a little bit less so, but I think that would be the case for most people in New York, regardless of all of the lack of living up to his draft title. Just 25 years old, 25 and a half years old. So there is certainly time for him to be a little bit of a post-hype sleeper to some degree, but he is still projected by over the cap to make $15 million a year on a five-year deal. I think that firmly removes him from the Bengals' radar. Looking on down the list, though, there's not a whole lot here that's very interesting to me. Their second graded uh, free agent is David Mayo, a linebacker who played a career high, 631 snaps. He was a fifth round draft pick uh, a few years ago and played mostly as a thumper. He is not very athletic. He is not very agile. He did not grade well for PFF in coverage. But if you're talking about him as a situational linebacker, a thumper, he did grade very, very well as a run defender, was a solid tackler, and overall was the 14th highest graded linebacker for PFF in 2019. So this is a guy that I think the grade maybe inflates his importance to the Bengals. I don't think that this is a guy that's going to come in and be a real difference maker in the second level, but... If he is a situational kind of use, he's a bit of a chess piece, use him in goal line and running situations, and maybe there is something there, but it's just not something I'd prioritize really at all. Going on down the list, there aren't very many names here that stand out to me at particularly uh, Bengals positions of need. Cody Lattimore is a wide receiver that you might want to take a flyer on as a guy but he's probably going to get paid by somebody to be a rotational receiver. At edge rusher, there's Marcus Golden. He's never really lived up to much of anything in the NFL. Then all the way at the bottom of the list is Corey Coleman, who didn't play at all in 2019. And if you want to talk about a real post-hype sleeper, that's one that, I mean, that's a camp body at this point. His star has fallen significantly since his time at Baylor when he looked to be, he had a promising profile. He was a first-round draft pick by the Cleveland Browns, of course, still just 25 years old, and he'll be a free agent. So maybe there's a chance that he draws some interest in free agency for a back-of-the-roster competitive wide receiver, but just overall, the Giants don't offer really much of anything that I'm particularly interested in 
for the Bengals in free agency in 2020. So let's just keep going. Let's move past the Giants and look into the next team on the list. Let's look at Washington. And boy, the NFC East just wasn't very good. Washington, of course, last year, 13-3, and just worse than the Giants, 4-12 and record. But at least when I look at the Washington free agents, there's some names here that are interesting. Brandon Scherf is a guy that is very, very good at guard. He's 28 years old, has had some injuries in the last few years, still projected by over the cap, though, to get a five-year, $14 million per year deal with 35, which is 50% million guaranteed. So generally very, very good, but in the last few years, hasn't been able to play a full season. When he has been on the field, still very good. But if Joe Tooney is the top target for guard in free agency, there is a gap because he has been reliable. I think he's a little bit younger and he's been better than Brandon Scherf, despite being drafted a little bit lower. But he still is a fit for really any NFL team, I think. If you can get past the injuries, PFF notes that he can block in gap or zone schemes and the Bengals are using both. And, and they, they sort of switched out of some of the zone stuff later in the year to get Joe Mixon going. But no matter which way they want to go, I think he would be a very good acquisition. The question is, after not paying Kevin Zeitler those years ago, are, are the Bengals going to pay a guy an unrestricted free agency at guard? And this is the same question for Joe Tooney. Uh, you know, $12, $14 million a year. The answer is likely no. And as a wave one guy, the Bengals probably aren't in on him anyway. I think, as Joe mentioned earlier this week, we're looking mostly at the wave two kind of targets. And so I don't think that that is the answer. So let's see if there's anybody else interesting on this Washington team going down the list. Nate Orchard is a guy who has had very limited success. He's been kind of average at the edge defender position. He's just 27 years old. I don't see that being a good fit with the Bengals, given that they have some depth, as Joe talked about in the top of this show, at the edge position. The second guard, though, is a guy that I could see the Bengals potentially being interested in because he will probably be a whole lot cheaper, and that's Eric Flowers, who has had a pretty interesting career. He's just 26 years old, turning 26 in a couple months here. And he's never been great, but he's always been in that solidly, slightly above average range. But let's take a look at his history and see, is this a guy that makes sense for the Bengals to go after to bring in some competition at the guard position? And a lot of it's going to depend on what he gets paid. So Eric Flowers was the top 10 pick out of Miami of Florida by the New York Giants in 2015 Went to Jacksonville in 2018, spent half his year with the Jaguars, played 588 snaps, wasn't very good in 2018, and then in 2019 was okay. Only gave up 24 pressures in 937 left guard snaps, only had six penalties. So those are both solid numbers. Not a great run blocker, although historically when he was with the Giants, he was a better run blocker the last few years. Hasn't been the case. It's really just a question of what the contract will be. And if you bring in Eric Flowers, that's not really moving the needle, right? But this is a guy that is probably like a wave three free agent. And maybe there, there's something there. Maybe he could give you uh, another kind of average 
guy on the offensive line, and he's huge. He's 6'6", 334 pounds, which fits the Jim Taylor mold. And and I could see that being a potential connection with the Bengals. And I wouldn't be very excited about it, but I could see them going after him. Going down the list in Washington, looking for other positions of interest. John Bostic is an unrestricted free agent linebacker for Washington, just 29 years old, so on the right side of 30 for at least another year, but has never really graded great. He has played a lot, though. He played 1,031 snaps this year, 914 snaps in 2017. Never really come off the field, but not a very exciting target just because it's hard to see him moving the needle in the same way that Preston Brown didn't really move the needle for the Bengals. But Case Keenum, another unrestricted free agent, and Colt McCoy, two guys at backup quarterback that wouldn't be shocking as veterans for the Bengals to look at if they do, when they draft, I should say, when they draft Joe Burrow. Case Keenum in particular on the higher end of the scale if they feel like they really want somebody who's just a year removed from above average quarterback play, two years removed from very good quarterback play. So be a potential higher spend at the quarterback position. But if they want a guy who, if they feel like they need somebody who's a veteran, who's going to be able to go in there, if they don't trust their rookie, and there's no reason not to trust Joe Burrow. I think that PFF just did an article. He's set up for instant success in the NFL. Case Keenum is a guy that you could target as a really high end backup. And that's about it for the Washington roster. And so the only one left to look at then is the Dallas Cowboys. And Dallas has some very high-end free agents that the Bengals will not have any part of. The first of those is Dak Prescott. He's projected to get a five-year, $33 million per year deal with $105 million guaranteed dollars. Obviously, the Bengals aren't touching that. They're drafting Joe Burrow. But worth noting, Dak Prescott was the 10th highest graded quarterback for PFF last year as Dallas finally started passing the ball. And he had a really good, he had a, he had a better year uh, with Kellen Moore coming in, taking over the Dallas offense. And looking down the list for Dallas, Amari Cooper, free agent at wide receiver, I believe they'll bring him back. He's projected, though, to get five years, $20 million per year. Just 25 years old, 25 and a half years old, has been much better in Dallas than he was in Oakland. Dallas is going to try hard to keep both of those guys, and we'll see if they can manage to do it. And the other top free agent, there are three top 10 free agents, according to PFF, on the Dallas Cowboys. And, and this one is one that they've connected to the Bengals, saying that this makes a lot of sense. And that's Byron Jones, who moved to quarterback in 2018. Played well on the outside, was a 14th highest graded corner in 2019, 12th highest graded corner for PFF in 2018. And you can knock him for not picking off passes, but he's been good in coverage and he's been able to guard tight ends. He's, he's been a bit of a chess piece, a really good run defender. He started his career uh, at a safety position for Dallas before moving to corner was a first round pick toward the end of the first round and it's worth pointing out despite the lack of interceptions when he moved to corner in the last couple years he does get his hands on the ball he's credited with 14 pass breakups by PFF he's giving up just a hair over 50 percent completions um, passes into his coverage in the last two years so it's not like he's getting beat a lot he has been very consistent with solid coverage grades, really good tackling grades, and as I mentioned, contributes well in run defense. So if the Bengals want to spend big 
at a very valuable position in free agency, Byron Jones would not be a bad place to spend a whole lot of money, especially if they move on from Drake Kirkpatrick and if they don't bring back Darquez Denard, they could spend all of that money on Byron Jones and upgrade the position considerably for their second outside corner. Jones, 27 years old, you can expect another three or four years of good productivity. He's projected to get a five-year deal from over the cap, so you're signing him if you if you give him that projected deal to his age 32 season. So you would really probably want to structure the guarantees early into the deal to give you the potential outs. But that's a guy that would be very, very interesting if the Bengals decide to play in first wave free agency. Moving on down the list, though, some guys that could potentially be targets. They they went after Ed Rushers last year. Robert Quinn would be one of those guys. He would be almost entirely... Uh, use as an edge rusher and I don't know if there is room on the roster for that for the Bengals with the the use of Carl Lawson being so situational in that regard going down the list I'm struggling to find guys that I would be all that interested in for the Bengals the offensive line free agents for Dallas Xavier Suofilo and Joe Looney neither of them have been very good in their careers these are guys that you know would be your third wave free agents where maybe they're competing in camp for a roster spot, obviously not guys you prioritize very highly. I don't see the Bengals as a good fit for Tavon Austin and that skill set at this point in his career. And the same really goes for uh, Randall Cobb. I would rather see the Bengals just use Joe Mixon more as a receiver than go after either of those guys uh, who are both really kind of gadget players at this point. Although Randall Cobb does offer some solid slot productivity and really had one of his better years most recently in Dallas. And that's probably it. So from Dallas, you're looking at a wave one target in Byron Jones that the Bengals really decide they want to get after it in free agency. And then there's some guys kind of wave three. And and the last name actually that I didn't mention is Kerry Hyder, who got a career high in snaps, 439 snaps this year and had a bit of a breakout year in some ways was Good as a run defender, was okay as a pass rusher, got a total of 27 pressures in there on 289 pass rush snaps. So there might be a little bit of untapped potential there, but uh, you you would be bringing him in to kind of fill the carry win role. He's 270 pounds. He is not very fast, so you would need him to be able to kick inside and He did do a lot of that for Dallas. He was inside on roughly half of his snaps on the defensive line. So this is a guy that's lined up really all over the place for the Cowboys. And back in 2014, an undrafted free agent for the New York Jets, finally getting his shot to get some extended playing time for the Dallas Cowboys. This is a guy that's another second, third wave kind of target that could round out the back of the defensive line room, replace Kerry Wynn's productivity as he's a free agent for the Bengals. But I think that's it. You could talk about Christian Covington if you want to. Limited snaps as a defensive interior guy. I don't think that that's necessarily a target for the Bengals. They're probably looking for a little bit more flexibility. And that's about it. So you got Brandon Scherf on Washington and Eric Flowers. There's really not much of anything of interest from the New York Giants. And then for the Cowboys, the big ticket name, Byron Jones. And then, you know, the 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 second, third phase guys, Kerry Hyder, maybe Jeff Heath. Uh, 
Yeah. Not a whole lot of interest to me, though, in the NFC East. But that's going to do it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast today. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the same, getting through another division in our free agency preview and getting through another position in our off-season outlook series. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 